0: My name is Alexander Medik and you are listening to Disrupt Development, the podcast that shares inspiring stories of disruptive thinkers and doers from global development. In the Disrupt Storycast, development professionals tell stories. Stories about transformative ideas or innovative projects, impactful products, groundbreaking systems or new partnerships. In this Storycast, Inimari Decker and Nikki Waku introduce you to the Impact Direct Foundation. The Impact Direct Foundation changes the story of giving by making it possible to directly donate to local nonprofits. Their conversation touches upon aid fatigue experienced by donors, donor recipients, the importance of building trust between donors and recipients, the inclusion of communities in the solution seeking and the decision making.
1: If you've been excluded from a table for decades, right? And you are now invited to take a seat at this table. Will you be glad to take a seat at that table?
2: I think that's a very important question. And it's not easy to answer, right? Mm -hmm.
0: Ine-Marie Decker is the founder of Impact Direct. She worked 15 years in the development sector with expertise on social inclusion and gender. Presently, she continues to build on her 10-year experience as a consultant for various NGOs. Marie believes that power relations in global development impede lasting impact and shows a radical alternative with Impact Direct. Nikki Waku joined the Impact Direct board and team with 10 years of experience in Europe Africa relations and, in particular, political and humanitarian affairs. At Impact Direct, Nikki helms strategic communications and stakeholder management. Nikki believes in a collaborative approach that includes local experts and affected communities.
1: Hi Marie. Hi Nikki. <laughs> How's it going? Oh, good, and you? I'm okay. Quite excited to get into this conversation. Yes. Um, we have the pleasure of introducing um, our foundation, Impact Direct. Um, and yeah, shall we get into it? And
2: yeah. Um, what Impact Direct is doing? We now exist seven or eight months. We started only last year. Yeah, ten months, no. 10 months, oh, yes.
1: That's
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, we started with the idea of direct transfers. So to make it possible for donors to directly donate to an African frontline NGO. Um, and how we do that is that on our website, you can find a project of your choice. Um, they are selected by our team members who are actually based in Ghana and Kenya. We mm-hmm. now have four... NGOs at the website from those two countries. Yeah, uh, you can donate to them, um, and they will also report the NGOs. They will directly report on our website about the progress on their projects, but also mm-hmm. on the impact they made. Yeah. Do you want to add anything?
1: Because Nikki, you are also from Impact Direct. I am also from Impact Direct. It's quite exciting. Mm. Um, Yeah, I just wanted to mention the four NGOs we have the pleasure and opportunity to collaborate with. Uh, We have ASAC in Ghana, Agriculture and Climate Empowerment Centre. They empower communities to develop strategies that will enhance resilience to climate change, uh, which is really important in today's conversation because... We've had the El Nino effect a couple of years, or well, last year actually, and we wrecked a havoc through Africa. And um, I like and I, we like ASEC that really saw an opportunity to be there for the local community. Um, the other one is SERAT, Green Entrepreneurs. SERAT's is a development organization, and um, they work on rural, rural urban power, power and urban poor in the fishery sector, and agriculture value chain in Ghana. And they also work in renewable energy, uh, inclusive finance, and water sanitation and hygiene. So they're an all-round for community development and protection. Um, then we have Affecto in Kenya. Affecto um, is fighting poverty through education, which I think is fundamental. You can't develop through without education. Um, and they, they find the best and the brightest students and give them the chance that they would have otherwise not had. And the last one is International Peace Initiative in Kenya, a, um, oh my God, I love, <laughs> I love this organization. But um, it's run by a wonderful lady, uh, Dr. Karamo, and it's a space where orphans can find uh, a home, a safe haven where they can thrive and have a chance in life and succeed. And um, they are treated with so much respect and dignity and care and given shelter and education and it's a place they can always come back to and I really like how even those that are that graduate or you know uh, go to universities do come back to give back to um, the centre and I think that's that's a wonderful thing so those are four NGOs that we have the blessing the opportunity to collaborate with and I'm I'm excited about them. I'm really grateful for them that, you know, they're willing to work with us on this. Are you? I yeah, am. Because, uh, as
2: I said, we, we started last year with this basic idea of direct transfers. But we are evolving, I would say, almost every week. <laughs> <laughs> um, and we do that together with them. And um, it's, it's great that they have this trust in us and and yeah. um, that we have this relation together that we can work together in, in this way yeah and and maybe if I can add this is what we do and how we do it but the bigger aim for me and that's really important <laughs> yeah. is um, of course I, I work for 15 years in development cooperation so that's where my heart is but yeah I also with impact direct it's also the really the meaning is to shift the power right to have these local frontline yeah. NGOs in a decision-making, uh, having the decision-making power over their own solutions. And I, I don't see that currently in a lot of international development projects happening. Why does that matter? I, I, I of course I have minor experience in it, um, in my work, but mm-hmm. why it matters, it, it, It's it's, it's, I can't find the, the right word, but it it means that the solutions are made behind European desks or American desks and they necessarily, or not necessarily are the good solutions, right? Yeah. Maybe <laughs> more often not then. Yeah. Um, and, and we forget to listen to these communities and to these local NGOs yeah. because they have these, I, I've seen that in my work as well, they have these, expertise and and they have these solutions so we are there to support it and we we're not here to say how it should be done differently that's that's what i really believe and also what i see as an experience that it doesn't work (laughs) like that
1: no we we've had 60 years of doing the same thing 60 years how long has it been with this development aid uh, sector since the 60s oh god yeah are we tired (laughs) (laughs) (laughs)
2: <laughs> 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 and not only us. It's it's also so what we see in donors, right? Yeah, they they there are so many NGOs asking for some money. Uh, many donors don't see what is actually happening with their money. Yeah,
1: um,
2: or they yeah, and they don't get the real story, right? They. I think what is really problematic in 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 traditional development, however you want to call it, is the the single stories or the simplistic stories that are told by uh, and NGOs and the media. So our, our picture of Africa it's not not how it, is, it really is, of course.
1: It really is not. It really is not. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah, I, I am I am I am <laughs> I am African Dutch, so I get to <laughs> experience <laughs> both sides of. Um, the danger of the single story, as um, Chimamanda Dice uh, mentioned and, and wonderfully talked about on her chat talk. And yeah, are we all tired of it? I, I like to believe you all are all tired of it. Um, and this lack of transparency, you know, every single year, every single month, there's always for just three euro, you can send a child to school. But if you've been donating for 20 years or however long, do you know how many children you've put through education? Do you know what's actually happened to your money? Do you know um, do you have a feedback um, Do you have anything and I think this is this is at least my experience of fatigue that's where it comes from then And I hear a lot that even in the local communities and you know in in the countries that we're meant to be serving, the question is also they say their money is here, but we don't see what's happening with it, you know so. Yeah.
2: yeah, so it's eight fatigue, not only with the donors, but also with the recipients. They, they don't see, also don't see the whole picture, right? They
1: don't. They really don't know. We can't just say, oh, it's gone to the government. So where somewhere in the middle, there is a disconnect and there is um, a failure to uphold transparency. And um, to engage with the communities affected, with the, lo- with, with the local NGOs and the donors. And I think this is, this is where we wonderfully step in, right?
2: Yeah, because I think really these direct transfers can be a solution to this because we directly connect these donors with the NGOs. They talk to each other in, in online events. Yeah. Um, we really started to build a um, relation of trust between the two. That's, that's what I really see... What's starting to happen?
1: Yeah, let's talk about trust for one second. I I have a massive issue with. Um, oftentimes, we see or we hear, and what well, large institutional donors say that um, there is no local expertise. They can't find credible NGOs. They can't find quality or high-caliber staff. They can't find. It's a continuous. They can't find. Is it that they don't exist? The quality NGOs or you know high-performance NGOs or NGOs that are really impactful on the communities. uh, Is it that they can't find because they don't exist, or is it that the criterion is actually not translated to the local reality, and? what is the solution? Is it just is it just about just trust them and kumbaya, or
2: yeah, and and maybe just to 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 add a little bit on it before <laughs> getting to the answer. But the, the, the distrust is not only with grants about finding reliable partners um, uh, locally, but it's also a, among um, local NGOs the other way around. Like uh, yeah. I, since I'm working on Impact Direct, I hear more and more the stories. From from the other's perspective, like yeah. um, uh, they fear that their ideas got st- stolen, uh, so to say, by the bigger NGOs, and yeah. <laughs> or that they are not fair with them. So, so and and then the recipients, they they don't know where the money goes. So this distrust is along the whole chain, and that's really harmful. I guess, I'm sure. And and then you are asking
1: about the solution. (laughs) (laughs) Do you have answers for me? Do you know how to solve this matter? They've been at it for sixty years. Yeah.
2: (laughs) (laughs) I think um, what helps, at least, of course, I don't have the the full solution, but I I think what we try with Impact Direct is to have a solution. Yeah. And and that that is building relations and building trust. And Ayo, you were asking: Are these organizations there yes of course they are there (laughs) (laughs) we know them we work with four of them yeah and we are no we 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 are sure that there are many more but it 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 um requires from us here in the in the in the west or in the north that we listen right we listen to what communities what their solutions are what the NGO solutions are and i think we hadn't we haven't been really good at that <laughs> the <laughs> past Ooh. 60
1: years. No, we haven't been really good at listening, no.
2: How do you see this issue of trust? or, or the, the, No, your question was like, are there, are these reliable NGOs there, these professional, these credible ones? You also know from your experience, of course.
1: I do, unfortunately. I think um, there is definitely a fundamental lack of trust of uh, local expertise and... We, we, even if it's something as simple, or not simple, but something as monitoring and evaluation, it doesn't include the local community. It's just somebody flies in that's not been there most of the time, walks around, <laughs> writes the paper, and flies back. And when a project collapses, it's the community, you know, or the country or whatever that's held responsible for the failure of the project. But we don't look at Is it truly the community, or is it maybe the starting block of this um, development plan policy, etc.? And I think the idea of we can't find them—it's a cop out. They are there. There is no way anybody can tell me in this life (laughs) that a large organization cannot find a couple of. NGOs or organisations or partners that know the localities that are not necessarily tied to the west Um, and as long as like you said as long as we don't listen to what the community needs we will always think that we're better than and I would hope going forward that we sort of pause and I think now we see shifts happening in this conversation that perhaps we're not listening enough to the people on the ground perhaps we're not making decisions with them on board and as long as we don't take them as long as we don't avail space to have an honest and fair conversation, I am afraid that we're gonna be here thirty, forty, fifty more years. And I would hate to see it, but as long as that conversation is not happening, then that might be the reality. But um <laughs> in true fashion of um you e can also be the solution. I think what we are doing at Impact Direct is is part of the solution of, hey, um, there is a discrepancy here, there is an imbalance, and we have the responsibility of readdressing it. And this also goes, you know, to acknowledging where we went wrong, trying to find a solution for it, and present that solution to the community who then has a say on yes, this is great or no, this is not great. We would like to do it differently. And this is, I think, although we're starting, I really, truly believe we have a bright future. I think that this is what they would most likely respond to. The communities are there. They have responded at the most atrocious times they've been there. International community has failed communities across the board. Um, and I think we should also really make it our duty to listen and, and trust them.
2: And I think... It, it, it might be something that Impact Direct adds. adds um, that we do find these local NGOs. So yeah. if there are organizations who say they can't,
1: we we are happy to help them, of course. Well, first I'm gonna say that's a cop out. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I know. You said that. <laughs> I'm going them a "Here." Yeah.
2: <laughs> but in, I mean, some—it's a cop out. But also, some—they have some reasons. Like we don't have the manpower, or we don't have the—we um, uh, only do big funds that True. are too small, or, or we don't have the proximity, and we yeah. do have the proximity.
1: Yeah.
2: So um, yeah, my my in my ambition, we have this collaboration that a bigger fund says we don't we don't do small money, but we want to support these NGOs, and we can we can serve as a, as a platform for the NGOs, yeah. right? Where the, the bigger and grants can find them.
1: How would, so would they trust us, though? Would they trust that we are not, you know? Uh, what we do now is that
2: we really, um, we develop the criteria and the reporting as much we want to <laughs> yeah. have this. The, that's that's really a balance. That that's what I noticed. We want to have the NGOs in the lead and their solutions, and also come with reports that are good enough for the grants and partners. I think there will be a
1: continuously <laughs> talk with them as well. Yeah. Um, but I guess this is this is a pathway to a seat at the table
2: yeah yeah that's what i what i was thinking of sorry it's an example of like um i talked to some grants already and they said uh, no this idea of an orphanage we don't do that or the school fees we don't do that because it should be the government doing that and it's it, from research we know that's not the best way of doing international development and what i learned working on the impact direct is that it's not that simple <laughs> Like international um, peace initiatives, they are working with young people who are not, they could not go to government institutions. Yeah. So they're really focusing on a group that otherwise dropped out. So, yeah, yeah. So, so so, that's,
1: for me, that's also the local solutions, right? I agree. I think so. And I, I don't want to just... international communities and and partners. I think, of course, as you mentioned, there are um, situations where governments are um, not upholding their duties and responsibilities. And I think this is why there are so many, you know, um, organizations exist to also fill the holes where governments fail. However, with that being said, I think it is a, a sense of I'm washing my hands of this problem and they should just go to the governments and handle this. Um, and sort of pick and mix what we want to support and not support. And, yeah, as you said, to reject the cause of education or or um, uh, uh, orphanages or whatever not, it's, it's basically, for me, it's always like, who are you doing this for? Is this about the community or is this about yourself and the vision you have? Does this include, you know, is there a seat at the table who are, And those that you are meant to serve or not at all. And I'm going to ask you a question, but seat at the table. (laughs) I think it's a very important question. If you've been excluded from a table for decades, right? And you are now invited to take a seat at this table. Will you be glad to take a seat at that table? I
2: think that's a very important question. And it's not easy to answer, right? Mm -hmm. Because just looking what we try to do with Impact Direct is that these local NGOs finally have this decision-making power, have a seat at the table in international development. Um, And what I'm hoping for is that we can serve as an example that others at this table can look at and see, like, hey, maybe we can also shift a bit or do it another way yeah. but if that would not happen I, I would be happy to make it another table right for the
1: local NGOs I am ready to build another table because I for the life of me mm. the question would be um, is this seed belt for my benefit or their benefit and is my seed also of value and am I at the, you know, at the table with, with like minded and, and people of um similar visions or am I just there as in hey we feel bad for the past sixty years here we have this little seat and be quiet over here. And perhaps um, I I'm not a pessimist. Let me <laughs> a diehard optimist here but um, The question is important. Yeah, yeah, it's it's are we are we honest about why we're availing the seat at the table? And should we maybe just say, you know, we really messed up, let's start all over again or I don't know, build a
2: new table. Yeah, yeah and, and, and another thing um, I think related to that um, is how not only as Impact Direct, but also as a sector as a whole, how can we, because that's that's from research also, right? It's it's known that one of the files of international development is that they don't um, engage communities in their solutions, in their evaluations. Yeah.
1: So, do you see solutions to them? I have an Einstein-level genius solution to this.
2: (laughs) (laughs) No, I'm really
1: curious. (laughs) Yeah, no. um, I I really think that uh, the solution lies in, shall we just call it community town hall? I think, I would hope, I, I really want to, and I'm glad that the team is open to this as well, that going forward, we also look at opportunities to for the NGOs that we we'll work with to actually invite the local community to a town hall and have a conversation about what they're doing. Is it relevant? Is it important? Is it needed? Is it supported by the local NGO? By the local community? Um, do they understand why this is happening? And if you listen to uh, the conversation I had with Kwamina, he also talked about why it's important for the local community to take ownership of the project, because that's how you um, ensure sustainability and... Um, otherwise it doesn't sense even work, of ownership. Yeah. yeah, otherwise mm-hmm. it doesn't work, because they don't have a sense of ownership of it. So I my genius-level idea is a community town hall, and that includes international organizations on the ground in... in you know, in across Africa, or in Ghana and Kenya, wherever else they want to be, um, that they insist on, yeah, talking to the communities. Is this project really what you need? Is it important to you, etc., etc., etc. So,
2: yeah, and I also can see this for Impact Direct, right? Because we are a starting initiative, we might not um, get to this. Disc- high-end criteria of some of the grants but if they want to go with our pilot we can have a collective evaluation like this with the community that will be
1: awesome that would be awesome that would be really truly listening to each other so i guess we just invite all the partners and listeners colleagues and and listeners give us a call send us an email let's have a conversation i know that we can't meet each other face to face but Let's get on Zoom and have a conversation about this. How do we truly disrupt or change or build another table? Great. Yeah. (laughs) Thank you so much. You too.